Hi, I'm Dr. L. Putnam of the Houston School of Film and Digital Media at National University Ireland Galway. And I'm here tonight talking with the cast of Home, who gave their uh, first performance uh, of this run at the Galway International Arts Festival. It's a very unique production that combines improvisation, action with audience engagement, and really gets to the core of what makes a home. Reflecting on what we just experienced, um, I think the kind of first thing that struck me is what makes a home. It's not just the relations and the experiences throughout it, but the material qualities of it that came through the scenography, uh, the building of the set, and which really became a character in itself. So, any of you want to share? your thoughts or experiences of performing in this way. You know, I don't know how many times we've now done the show, um, like city to city, and it's a strange thing because it, on one hand, always feels a little different. Each theater is different, definitely each constituency of people and each country and national identity and that kind of thing. Um, but then at the same time, it's always the same set and the kind of same constellation of people. So it, it's curious what feels so familiar and then the things that feel different. Um, it's really odd, because on one hand, it's super familiar, and then you take three steps off stage and it's a different green room or a different backstage or things like that. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, for me, I guess it's always, funny how many things we all do in a similar fashion, like we all brush, well, I hope we all, well, maybe we all brush our teeth, um, you know, showering, waking up, uh, uh, and, and, and just kind of performing these mundane things, but in this way, it, it's, it, it puts it into a different perspective, and as a performer, it really, for me, kind of heightens a, a, a I don't want to say it heightens those experiences, but it, it definitely, it, it just makes, it, it, you feel it and it, I don't know, I don't, I don't quite know how to articulate that, um, what, it, what it is that I'm trying to say, but just, just doing these day-to-day -day activities in this sort of way just reminds you how many things we all have in common. But also, too, it reminds me of the privilege we have to have homes, if we have homes, for those of us who do, and have the ability to like be in a space where you have a shower, you have, you can you have a sink, and you have a toilet, and you can can have memories of a space and and kind of this luxury of of, of the simple things that well that are simple for most of us here, but then that aren't maybe for others. Um, so there's also that I think that it kind of makes me think about and consider, and it's uh, yeah, it's just 
pleasure to be able to do this uh, in different countries. In the same. And you, it might be interesting to know that it was also made with everybody creating these kind of tracks and fitting them together along with Stephen Dufall, who was the set designer, who was with us, who was constructing the rooms around us as we needed it, and all sorts of things. Uh, so it's not like we're just coming in and doing it. It's all, we've all lived through the creation of it and the living on it, so it's, it's our home away from home, and we continue <laughs> to travel with it. It's nice. It goes deeper and deeper each time. Um, for me, uh, doing the show reminds me of my, of everyday living and um, my family and my first home, especially in the two characters that comes in and without any script, they are, they relate to you their whole, their childhood home. The two characters after the party, after the party. And that to me is very moving. And um, that each one of us, I think, has our own deep experience of home, one way or another. Um, so I would ask you the same question of what you experience in watching the show. Um, performing in the show made me realize how chaotic normal life is that we just get <laughs> Because say you need to be somewhere on time, but you, oh no, you wake up late. Then you have to go and do everything that you normally have time to do, but then you have to go and rush through it all so that you can get where you need to be. Um, <laughs> right now and how, how many challenges we face in putting everything up from city. Impossible at all seems <laughs> until we're actually doing it in front of until we have a full house. In fact, um, we really can't do it. It doesn't make any sense doing it through an empty space. Um, and obviously, so much of the show, uh, really the heart of the show is is when once our work is sort of done and we toil to put it up and whatnot, then and, and then you guys get to inhabit it. Then it really becomes. Uh, a home, and it's it's just a, a, a miracle each time we do it in a new city. And uh... yeah, as a performance, it, it, it's like you welcomed us, welcomed us all into your home, and um, some of the things that really were striking is the the mundane quality of the performance. There was no kind of overarching story carrying it through, but like layers of actions, gestures, and memories that, you know, will reveal and are quite intimate, yet also there were so many secrets and untold stories that form in it. Um, I was also struck by the, um, how verbal dialogue is very minimal and obscure, and yet stories were told through gestures, stories were told through actions. And through the choreography of it and how it kind of built up together. And then of course the the engagement with the audience throughout from the beginning. We're in a black box theater and yet all part of it. So what is the significance of having this audience? I know you kind of alluded to it where it doesn't really come alive until the audience is here. But does anyone want to talk more? about the significance of the audience as part of the performance. 
you know, I, Elvis did mention, you know, this is the this is the house, right? The, the we refer to the theater as the house, uh, like it's a full house, or you know, <laughs> house left and house right, and um, we we used to talk about the show. We would say, well, that when you come in, you come into the house, but you should hopefully leave, you know, feeling like you have been home. And even now, hopefully, you kind of look around and you sort of see people who have been in the show, you know, the audience members who you saw up here or the experience of kind of living through it with them um, and that empathy that you feel um, in seeing your own <laughs> people going up on that stage and saying either, thank God that wasn't me, or... <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll, I guess now it is me because I'm being spirited away too. Um, that experience that you have together it kind of bonds you and you know helps connect this space that feels something. I think hard to nail down with language. It's more of a feeling thing and it's a bit abstract. Um, maybe for lack of a better word to call it home, but it's a little bit. Uh, uh, ineffable or unnameable or whatever, it's mysterious, which is partly why there isn't a whole lot of language in the show. I'm not a, I'm kind of a big believer in the moments before language or the moments outside language uh, that are more experiential and it allows the seated audience kind of space to dream um, and to put yourself in it. So it's, I think it's that empathic. Thing. Um, and I think the, the strange thrill or fear of the fact that you were so close, I mean, really, we're just facing that way and you're just facing this way, but uh, we are in the same room. You know, that's the kind of absurdity of it, right? You know, we're all here right next to a kitchen. Um, and hopefully, there is a metaphor there somewhere about that even if we feel so far, we're, we're just in the same room. Um, but I'd be curious to uh, turn this microphone to cross that line. <laughs> Would anybody like to share a reflection of what either they thought of that significance was, or yeah. or any question? Or any anyone? question? Yeah. I have a question, and my question is: um, you're working with the audience. It's absolutely lovely. I'd love to hear the man talking about his house and this. Um, sorry about that. Yeah, no. My question just was basically. Has the audience ever taken you in a direction you weren't expecting? It seems like it was all very well managed. I mean, obviously you were consciously, I mean, speculation is what they were you doing. But like, consciously orchestrating really well. But I just want to know, has the audience taken you in a direction you weren't expecting? And welcome or unwelcome? Not really, I mean. Except when they don't want to move. Or they don't want to. <laughs> that happens. They don't for want sure. to follow. We've also gone places. We are a pre predominantly English-speaking company, not fully, but predominantly, and we've got to the places oh, yes. where language yes. was yes. a big. And we put in a thing. translator. And so that's really on the fly, because there's a lot of sort of managing with the loud music, mm -hmm. and then suddenly we would be in place like South Korea where right. we don't speak the language and there's like two translators on or stage. Or Germany. Germany. Or Germany, yeah. yeah. And, uh,
Well, I just remember the lady who we remember almost daily in and out of the theater, um, who didn't want to leave. That's true. I know, when it's time, we go around and tell people to go back to in Wellington. Lady, was she the host from the beginning? I don't remember her at all. She yeah. just was, was there. She just wanted to be up here very badly. <laughs> she found her way here where she was allowed in the nun. And then when it's time for everybody to go home, um, well, back, you know, back to away from home, back to home base here, uh, Jeff was going around and saying, would you like to go back to your seat now? <laughs> I think we, we were in New Zealand, and so in, in New Zealand, Jeff is Jeep. Um, <laughs> um, and so Jeff, you know, would go around and say, oh, it's time to go back to your seat. And Jeep would turn to him and say, I am already in my seat. How was the rehearsal process like when you're not, when you don't actually have an audience? When we don't have an audience. Right. How do you rehearse? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a good question for Alva, because yeah. this is Alva's very first performance. Yeah. She had a dress rehearsal today, and we, we, we met Alva like a week ago. Oh my Not goodness. even. Not even. She started rehearsals on Last Sunday. Sunday. Well, when we don't have an audience when we're doing rehearsals, um, it's very weird because we need like 20 people or so. <laughs> More, you know, yeah. for, for all the stuff that the audience does. And so we have like one or two people, if any. So if we need more people, um, we have to pretend that there's people. <laughs> you know, we'll have like, so my mom would be at all the rehearsals. <laughs> so she'd be the host. And then, then she'd be, be like, and then we'd be like, okay, here's, here's the first guest. They're totally there. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd go through with that until it just made no sense. Yeah. Because, because there was 20 people made of air. <laughs> yeah, it's really a nightmare to, to practice yeah. it, honestly. And we, we never really figured it out. We, we would do it, and we would get very lost with like chairs or cards, or but they don't move. Ram, you know, people like start just moving. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else have any thoughts or questions? Uh, I don't think I can read stuff. So how did you, how did you choose how to use a different line? Well, Jeff invited me to be part of this experience, and uh, we went to high school together, and um, this is my first experience of being in the theater. Normally I just make songs for my own purposes. Um, but I wrote the songs that I sang for the occasion, and in the beginning, it was kind of an open invitation to make these songs, but also to make the, there was no real uh, knowing what the soundtrack was going to be. Uh, and there was an invitation to try and make some tango music if I could, which turns out I can't. <laughs> and so there's a piece called Tango, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. A video is a, when was that made? In the I think in the early 80s, there's a, um, I, th I believe it's Polish, and, and it's, uh, it actually won, it, was, it won an Academy Award, maybe somebody out here is maybe more educated than me, um, but if you're a film buff, it's a film, short film called Tango, do you know it? Wolfgang? 
And uh, no, this just this is one, and I I'm not even gonna try to say this person's name because I will absolutely butcher it. But you can find this on YouTube, I'm sure, and I encourage you to do so. Um, but it, it won an, um, an Academy Award for like uh, maybe Best Short. I'm not sure what it was in, in the early 80s. And when I was describing what I wanted this piece to be of uh, a kind of dance theater piece that was different, I asked people to kind of imagine all of the different generations moving through a, a house um, on top of one another, kind of fighting over their fridge. Um, and when I described that, my friend Julian Crouch, who has been kind of the godfather of the piece in a way, he was one of our first directors, and his kid was the first kid, he said, oh, you mean like tango? And I was like, oh, God, there's always somebody who made this thing. What, what's that? And he said, you have to see this movie. And it, it is a really brilliant, brilliant film that is just one tango and I still I've seen this thing so many times I cannot tell you how many people are in it. it's one room and then the people keep coming in and exiting but it they are literally like they film it's hard to say because it's a strange form of anim it's not animation it's film but it's a loop on itself over and over and over and it was really done in film because it's all if you that year is important that it's not digital um, it's some kind of crazy layering that this person painstakingly was literally cutting celluloid and putting it on top of itself. So um, it's really worth seeing. And in so doing, I totally fell in love with the tango music and then shamelessly couldn't get it out of my head and said, well, let's just totally do that because it makes a lot of sense. And the tango music, felt so right in its um, change. You know, it, 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 the, the, it has a lot of drama to it and it can be both fun and then tragic, like on a dime it can turn. And it, the, so it, it kind of those weather systems and the music felt so right for something um, like this. And uh, they're all, they are, there's a nostalgia to it because the, all of those old tangos are from like the teens and 20s, maybe the 30s, they're, they're older, um, maybe with some exceptions. And then Brandon Wolcott, who's our brilliant sound designer, um, kind of, thank you Brandon, uh, took those ideas and then really accelerated them, tore them apart, put them back together, resisted all the tango, put, you know, acquiesced, there was a whole thing. Um, and so there's a, that's the story. I know Brandon, is, is there other things to say? Are you here? Another piece of the live music, which is very important, was Michael Chang and these four uh, incredible musicians who came on, who are also local to Galway. So the band, whenever we tour, we invite, cajole, and whatever, you know, kidnap uh, a band to come and perform. So And the crew is local. Everybody. Oh yes, for sure. There, absolutely. But that, but so Michael Chang and the music at the party is all they. This was their first performance as well. Yes, that's right. Both somebody's waving their hand.
that makes me want to do a, another shout out followed just quickly by a second shout out, which is, this is Lisa McGinn, who is our stage manager. Lisa is the eyes and brain and all things, and nervous system, I should say. Um, this side of the production, then there is a Kevin Hanley, are you in earshot? He's at the bar. Uh, <laughs> Kevin is, this, is, the, is behind all, is, is backstage. And um, so yes, there is a script. Uh, no, it was never written down. It was like cobbled together and then religiously like figured out how to call, how many cues are there? Hundreds of cues. So yes, every single thing has at least an intended place, but you never know where things are gonna go. So like objects, that is all Kevin's domain, as well as like a pretty large crew that have to learn on the fly in the space, that's all Kevin. And then sound and light, we, we met Brandon and then Chris Poole, who did all of these incredible lights. Um, all of that is run through Lisa, who calls all of those to an operator. All these things have to happen in order. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's pretty intense. And so, so the, the script was ultimately created so that that could happen, so that you could text um, and no, that what you're seeing, there's no resemblance to how we first, when we first met, because there wasn't a thing. So we were improvising, kind of endlessly, you know, for a long time, we had a lot of tango music, for, for, you know, kind of endlessly improvising for a long, long time. To say the same is, I found this incredibly confronting because the last attempt on us, and I realized somebody would be quiet with us from, from the word go, and uh, I was resisting my mind, and, you know, being made a participant, and then, as I saw the house being involved, I became intrigued and drawn into it, and suddenly I found I was remembering, you know, the house I, I was growing up in, and I could see my mother's life completely laid out right to the very end, when uh, you, you were leaving, you know, and uh, it was just so amazing to have the two things going on at once, your drama and my own. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a really successful three-dimensional uh, device that you achieved. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Are we good? All right. I think we're good. Thanks to everyone for sticking around and thank you for sharing your thoughts and experiences. This has just been such a fantastic evening and I'm looking forward to going home. <laughs> <laughs>